Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, it's Friday, and you know what that means. We're talking with someone from the Veterans of Foreign Wars, VFW, and today we're talking once again a good friend of the show, Ken Wiseman. Ken, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Jake. It's great to be back. Well, thank you. We're glad to have you back. Now, I'm looking at the email here, and let's see. Ken Wiseman will be on tomorrow to talk about how you just concluded the 4th VFW Student Veterans of America Fellowship class. What a, what the hell is that? So the Veterans <laughs> of Foreign Wars and our good friends over at Student Veterans of America, another veterans group, got together four years ago, and I was proud to be a member of the very first class of fellows. The idea is to bring veterans who are in college on campuses across the country, and in a couple of cases we've had veterans from outside of the country as well. Uh, they're, they're American veterans going to school somewhere else. And they come in and they do actual research on an actual problem that faces veterans, and then they come to this town, they advocate for it. The goal is to get a real legislative or regulatory change, and I'm happy to say that of all the fellowship programs that may be out there, the VFW-SVA legislative program has actually got bills passed into law. Three of our fellows from the four years now have seen their stuff become law. Well, awesome. That's really cool stuff. Now, do you know uh, how long has this program been going on? So we're in our fourth year. So we do we do one session. You're right. Per I year. just said the fourth class. I should. You do the backwards math, <laughs> yeah. and then you, you know you come to it. There you go. There you go. I apologize. I'm not. I am horrible at my job. Anyway, so do you know how many how many people are in the class every year? So we we have ten fellows each year that we pick, and we've seen a growing number of applications. This is a great program because number one, it is an awesome resume bullet. I can tell you, having been a member of the first class, it helped me get my job with the VFW. Number two, it's a great uh, way to get credit in schools. About half, if not more, of each class is getting credit each year from their university. Now, there is a there is a writing component. There is an action component. This isn't just a free trip to come see monuments. You are in the weeds with the VFW and SVA. You are hitting the hill. We visited all 535 congressional offices. There was a, uh, the testimony of our national commander, we presented a legislative award to the chairman of the House Appropriations Committee because he's been a great supporter and is a VFW member himself. And so it is a whole package of stuff. Okay. Uh, how does one apply to become a member of this fellowship? So in the summer, roughly around July, we open the application process up. And you can find that on vfw.org. There will also be links on Student Veterans of America's website. Uh, we put it out on social media as well. We're seeing a growing number of applications, which is great because it means we're, we really are getting the best. Uh, and we're seeing them from all different states. Really, we don't need your resume uh, because you may not have something on your resume that says that you'd be you know, great in the advocacy realm. This is an opportunity to open doors to people that want to get involved. 
this is an opportunity to open doors at people for people who may be great at research and may be great in the advocacy realm, especially at the grassroots level, but they also need that connection to the national level. So it takes all types of people uh, to make a team, and we, t we look for all types of fellows. We've had uh, really just a broad spectrum, and it's great. The number of applications rises every single year. Uh, we were at about a ratio of, of roughly six to one, six, six applications for every slot we had this year. Ah, that's pretty good. So when uh – how did this program come about? Like, how did you come with the idea to partner with SVA and all this other stuff? How did this program originate? So the VFW and SVA have a memorandum of understanding. We've had it for a couple of years now. And it goes back to uh, my colleague who's been on the show several times, Ryan Gallucci. Shout out to Ryan this morning. Uh, him and his wife are expecting their second baby girl any day now. So oh. congratulations to him. Congratulations. And uh, also another great advocate for veterans, Will Hubbard from Student Veterans of America, who helped lead the effort for the recently passed Forever GI Bill. Uh, they kind of came together and they said, here's an idea. Here's what we could do. And they did a pilot program that first year where I was, like I said, I was a member of the class. And then from there, we've just built it. And it's grown and grown all the research components and the action components. It's been amazing to watch it. Awesome. So uh, it, it, do you have to... Do you have to be studying certain things to be joined this? Like, no. if, I, if I get if I got a degree in underwater basket weaving going we, on, we take our basket weavers just as much as we take our political scientists. You know, <laughs> I have a I have a BS in political science. I have a master's degree in public administration. I have I do have a degree in paralegal studies as well. But my I also have a fourth degree that has absolutely no connection at face value. You'd think political science, law. And we get plenty of those, but that's not it. My other degree is in applied marine engineering, and I spend my days covering policy related to toxic exposures. We talked about this yeah. before. So the Fort McClellans of the world, the Agent Orange of the world, the burn pits of the world, that's all stuff that you need people who have expertise in. And in this year's class, we had a social worker. Uh, we, we've got people who are going to go become a school teacher, and we've got people from all walks of life studying all kinds of stuff. We've had economists and chemists. So you can just really study anything. It's about the passion. It's about the desire to do good things for veterans. And when we see that, it, it, it just stands out in their papers. You can't hide passion. Okay, right, right. It just kind of has a way of showing itself. Now, let's shift gears just a little bit. Yeah. And uh, because it says that they get to per participate in the VFW National Legislative Conference, which has been going on from the 4th to today. What exactly is that? So the VFW has a major conference every year in March where we bring in about 500 VFW members along with our auxiliary, which is our family members. They're very great. They're a force multiplier for what we do. And they come in and we present a legislative packet, an agenda that says these are things the VFW stands for. And this year we talked about improving health care and access to that care at VA, toxic exposures, issues that affect women veterans. We, we talked about the need to continue and strengthen education, a sound budget, but our number one priority is to end sequestration, which is an arbitrary budget tool that is harming how we can fund our military, care for our veterans, and take care of our nation's priorities. Part of that conference and, and in pushing this need to end sequestration was when our Commander-in-Chief, Keith Harmon, who is a Vietnam veteran, uh, testified in front of a joint session of both the House and Senate Committees on Veterans Affairs it's a great testimony. It was, it was standing room only, packed house, a lot of energy. Uh, we think that uh, we're really driving this one home, and, and we think we're going to see some great things. You start there, and it kind of you know runs out your year, so you kind of go from March back to March, so to speak, in this legislative push. And, and we go hard, and we do great things, and it's always great to have our members literally from everywhere. They fly in from Hawaii and Alaska, and we've had some from Europe this year, and all the states come in, and we hit the hill. Awesome.
Uh, okay, now I'm I'm just I'm reading a t- uh, block here from the website to enhance the experience for these year's fellows and to build a program for which they can earn academic credit. The VFW SVA Legislative Fellowship will include three specific phases related to research, action, and reporting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So research, action, reporting. Research they they have to pick one of one of the four major policy areas, which are the trans just the kind of general transition out of the military back into civilian life. Success for veterans on campus, getting a job, and the future of VA healthcare. They identify problems under that broad banner of four topics. And we, we've had things this year from the need to improve outreach in rural areas for veterans so that we can drive down and hopefully prevent altogether suicide. We've also done research on the administrative parts of VA. If you go to the ER right now, you have 72 hours to report it. Otherwise, you're going to have to jump through some other hoops. Let's make that easier. You may be literally unconscious in the hospital, and they expect you to report within 72 hours. We can streamline some of this. And so that's the research, and it ends ends up in a three- to five-page paper. The action part of it is they're literally going to be on Capitol Hill. They're going to come hit those offices for the states they're from. They're going to go home, and they're going to take – Actions at the grassroots level are going to host town halls, meet with their congressmen again, hopefully get this going and into a bill and into become law. That's how those three fellows who saw their research become law in our past classes did that. They just, it's all about the action and driving it all the way to victory. And you got to get the bill passed, signed by the president. The reporting is on the backside. So the reporting is about any good advocacy group needs to track things. And so we track our fellows and see what they're doing. That way we can identify members of Congress who are supportive or members of Congress who oppose things that we're working on. And we can hopefully go and encourage those members who may oppose uh, to come to our side. Sometimes the opposition isn't that they, you know, is really just they don't understand what we're talking about. They don't understand what we're going to do. And so usually the, 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 the opposition ends up being more academic. What is this versus emotional which would be that they don't like veterans. There's not too many members of Congress that will get up on a Monday morning and say, <laughs> I don't like veterans, because they're not going to be in Congress for much longer if they do. Right, and the problem is that some people give the lip service, but then then follow they up with action. That You're absolutely right. That lip service is, is very disheartening sometimes because you, you meet these members of Congress, and they're the ones with the vote. They're the ones that sit on the committees. They're the ones that sit on the Appropriations Committee as well that has the money to do these things. And they say that we like veterans, and then they say, but how are we going to pay for it or how are we going to do it? And so it's about making sure that every day is Veterans Day. And the VFW firmly believes that every day is Veterans Day. And so it's about making those priorities drive home a little more. And so the VFW SVA Legislative Fellowship is part of that. Our Women's Ad- Veterans Advisory Committee is another part of that. And, and the, the conference is a part of that. And then the grassroots activism. We, we click the button, 300,000 people get an email and they're going to start bombarding their members of Congress's office with phone calls and emails about pushing it home. It's it's an everyday effort. All right. Cool. Now, I'm looking, again, look at the website. Uh, the policy issues they have to choose from are from how to improve the VA healthcare system, strengthen the post-911 GI Bill, veteran success on campus, transition from military to civilian life. Now, flashbang, personal question, what was yours about? So I actually did mine on the delivery of benefits related to the post-9-11 GI Bill. I spent 13 years in the Navy, and I can tell you that the two most monumental experiences I went through in terms of my life as a veteran uh, would be the process of going through my VA claim. Uh, I do hold a VA disability rating, and it was so powerful that I decided to go back and become accredited through the VFW to do those claims and help veterans. That's just an experience you never, ever forget. 
And then the GI Bill. Uh, like I said, I have four college degrees. GI Bill paid for three of them. I have no debt. I actually use, I, I'm happy to say, and I hope Old Dominion University, Coastline Community College, and George Washington University are all listening because I got degrees from there. <laughs> I use all my degrees every single day, and I'm proud of that. And so, uh, you know, the GI Bill is a force multiplier. Our friends at SVA, Jared Lyon, who's their president and CEO, he likes to talk about how the GI Bill democratized higher education. You had to be from a certain race, of a certain gender, of a certain economic standing, and have a parent who went to college before you, before 1944, or you weren't going to go to college. But the Servicemen's Readjustment Act, which created the original GI Bill, all the education, the jobs, and the home loans, and, and a lot of things, the education component democratized VA. Now you've got people who are GI Bill trained scientists at NASA. You've got GI Bill trained scientists that are working in laboratories to cure cancer. You've got school teachers, you've got lawyers, and you've got folks like me up on Capitol Hill. And I know that these student veterans that are out there on these campuses are, are going through a similar experience with their GI Bill. It's, it's going to be great. You're going to come out on the other side, and it's going to be what pushes you uh, into a, a greater, higher place in life. All right. Now, you talked about how your program has actually gotten bills passed. That's right. What bills have you gotten passed? So we partnered with Congressman Brad Winstrup from Ohio, who is a uh, veteran himself. He served a combat tour as a doctor and VFW member. Uh, when, VA, when VA identifies an area that they're weak and they can send some of their leadership from that area out into the private sector to get experience, we, we, uh, Congressman Winstrup had wanted to do that. And our fellow said, why don't we make it two-way? Why don't we also have that experience from private sector coming to VA? So we're exchanging culture. We're cross-pollinating culture in a positive way. And, and the congressman was very supportive of that. And so uh, Karthik Venkatraj, who was our fellow that year, went on to graduate law school, and he now clerks at the Court of Appeals for the Armed Services. He worked with the congressman, and they got that passed. The other two fellows wrote supporting research for two different parts uh, of the Forever GI Bill that had to do with STEM research, science, technology, engineering, and math. There is now additional months of GI Bill if you are certain STEM majors uh, for those veterans to get those degrees. Because on average, it actually takes about five years to get a STEM degree, not four years. And we're in demand. I mean, we, we hear from tech companies all the time. They cannot hire them fast enough. STEM graduates, and, they, and if by the way, it also is a veteran. All that extra stuff about being on time and being drug-free and, and being reliable, that all comes with it, and why not have that too? Right, okay. So do you know of the 10 students that are in there now, do you know what they're focusing on? Like, Can you speak to that? Sure, yes. So we've got suicide prevention. We've got streamlining bureaucratic processes at VA when you go to the ER. Outreach to uh, veterans that live in rural areas. We've got... Uh, folks that are focusing on uh, how to fully fund the Troops to Teachers program because of a shortage of teachers. Um, we've got folks that talk about better mentorship in the Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment Program, VR&E, so that you can have someone that's kind of gone through it before you give you the advice so that you don't really feel like you're walking through the dark alone. There is not one common theme. It's really the, this, this broad spectrum because there's a lot of things that go on in the veteran sphere. And so when we build out the class, we try to do that. We try to get people from all the four major policy areas. We try to get people that are writing on a broad diversity of things. So you may have two healthcare folks, but they're talking about two totally different things. And so it's, uh, it, it is a broad spectrum of stuff that uh, could actually really do great things. And, you know, another one, for instance, is priority registration in colleges for veterans. Most colleges allow um, international students and athletes to have priority registration, but they don't allow veterans. 
The downside is if the veteran doesn't get to necessarily uh, register for their classes in an advanced period, they can end up having to wait for a class that they may need for their degree and run out of GI Bill, and now they're going to have debt related to school. The point of the GI Bill is so that you don't have this debt, so that you can propel yourself economically and socially after having given several years to your country. When you let international students advance registers because they know that they're, the school knows that they're going to get the money from the tuition. The reason they let athletes do it is because athletes are making a boatload of money for the colleges. Yep. Well, good news. Uncle Sam is guaranteeing the education. Yeah. <laughs> He's guaranteeing the tuition. And so they're going to be able to get their payment. They're not going to have to wait on the, the check to come in. Literally, the veteran fills out the form and Uncle Sam just starts mailing money to the college. And all the student veteran has to do is do well in school. And so it takes this huge weight off their shoulders. Get them in there. Let them get advanced registered. It's a common sense thing. All right. Uh, why d Why is this program important? I mean, why did the VA, why did the FBW set this up? Because, I mean, it, it, there could be a number of things that you could do to get uh, students involved in this stuff. Why go this route? Well, so what we want to do is we want to bring veterans into the sphere of activism and we want to do it in a way that is focused. There are a lot of veterans that would just come to DC and they would advocate for what they need. You know, a great example is when we had the when we got the post 9/11 GI Bill passed, what really got that across was student veterans from across America came to DC and were pounding on doors. That energy is awesome. So let's teach them the best practices let's teach them how to do it right let's give them mentorship so that they move into this into this world into into this town and do it in a uh, in a way that actually makes them successful it's also about helping those that came after you i mean somebody helped me i had great chief petty officers when i came in the navy at, that had served in desert storm and were now also going to be post 9-11 veterans i had a master chief petty officer that came in in the morning at 5 30 so he could be done with his work by about 8 or 8 30 so that he could spend his days with his sailors who were going to school that mentorship rings and resonates in my mind every day because I had the privilege of working for him for about eight months. And so the opportunity to mentor people and to help them succeed is something that's important. You've got to help those sailors that come in behind you, those Marines, those airmen, uh, even the soldiers. I know you were an Army vet. So, yeah, you know. Hey, we, we love our Army vets too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe what's, what's the end goal here? I, I can honestly tell you the end goal is to get more veterans working on Capitol Hill, to get more veterans elected to Congress, and to get more veterans working in, the, in the, just the sphere of advocacy. And, and it's a shameless plug. We would love to get more veterans elected to Congress. Absolutely. I mean, even the, regardless of their party, they tend to be more moderate, more willing to be bipartisan and work together. They, they know, they have seen, they have dealt with the, the effort of defending freedom. They've given physically to what this country needs to be successful. So you know what? Let's have them also help run the country. Yeah, we've seen that in uh, senators like Tammy Duckworth and uh, representatives Don Bacon we've had on the show and uh, the man who's running for Congress for a primary down in Houston, Dan Crenshaw. We've talked to him and they all seemed like they're, you know, they have their beliefs, but they're willing to sort of Use, to use the catchphrase, lean across the aisle and get, and get things done. You know? That's, you know, and a great example of that, if you look at the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, Chairman Phil Rowe is an Army veteran. He is a Republican from Tennessee. He served as a surgeon in the Army and did, I think he said, 14 months in Korea. And then the ranking member, who the Democrat, is Tim Walls from Minnesota. Uh, Congressman Walls is a retired command sergeant major. Uh, and so these two veterans right here have come together and you see them all the time work in ways to be bipartisan and to get things done. You look at their staff, there's, there's veterans on their staff, there's other veterans. You know, when we did the, the Forever GI Bill, the other veterans on, on the committee were helpful as well. 
And I'll, I will never forget the poignant moment when Chairman Rose said, raise your hand if you've gone to school on the GI Bill. And you've got the C-SPAN cameras in the room. Every witness on the witness table, about half, two-thirds of the members of Congress that are on the committee, and about 90% of the audience, 95% of the audience, there were so many hands up. It was just this awesome moment where all these veterans came back together. After all their walks of life that they had been on, the journey came right there to Nexus Point together, all of them, and they got that done. And it was bipartisan effort. Veterans in Congress make big things happen. Right. Now, um, do you have to be a member of the VFW for this? You do. You do have to be a member of the VFW, and you can read about that on our website. You also uh, need to be attending a college that has an SVA chapter. And if you're a student veteran on campus, and you maybe have a veterans club or just a handful of veterans, and you're not an official SVA chapter, Shameless plug for SVA. They're a great organization. We love working with them. Get a hold of the folks here in D.C. at SVA National Headquarters, and they will help you start that chapter. Cool. Now, um, some of the essays that they've received this month or this year, what have they been on? So we've, you know, one of the big things is obviously healthcare. That the the future of VA healthcare, and the VFW just released its newest survey. Uh, we put that survey out, and I can tell you something. If you, if you want somebody's opinion, ask a veteran. They'll give you an opinion. <laughs> we put that survey out, and in about five days, we had over 8,000 responses. And when we do this survey, our, our number of responses is to look at just how the membership of the VFW feels, because that's who we speak for. But we know that there's so much diversity in our membership that we really are able to speak for veterans writ large. It's amazing how 80% would recommend VA – to them for their own use. 80% roughly would recommend their buddies go. Our veterans are seeing improvement in the VA where they may have seen problems or they already believe that their VA medical center was good. We know that veterans overwhelmingly will tell us if they have other options like private health care, TRICARE, Medicare, whatever, and they can use VA, they want to use VA. They want this because it's their benefit. It's their earned benefit. This isn't some freeloading giveaway. And sometimes your critics look at that and they say, oh, look, you know, VA is just socialized medicine. No, it's not. VA has some of the best medical professionals there. They are experts in telehealth, which is the ability to use technology to reach out to veterans who may not be able to physically walk in the building. We have come so far with prosthetics. They have prosthetic limbs. Leroy Petrie, who is a Medal of Honor recipient, retired from the Army, his prosthetic hand plugs into the wall like a cell phone. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know, after Vietnam, a lot of the prosthetics were like strapping two by fours to, to what's left of your leg. And now we've got a prosthetic that's fully operational. Right. We've come so far. And so we need to continue improving VA and, and our members talk about that. Our legislative fellows research how to make VA more accountable, how to make VA more capable. And that, that capable, accountable VA system is what members of the VFW, it's what veterans want. It's what veterans have deserved. It's what they've earned. And it's as long as we're an organization, that's damn sure what they're going to get. Yeah, that's what we were talking about with Jonathan in the last segment. It's like the VA is something that we have earned by our – it's some, one of the government's core jobs to take care of its veterans. And to privatize that would just be throwing money away at some other thing. And I know the VFW has spoken out against privatization. We are 100% opposed to privatization. When you send a veteran – I'll give you a great example. All our Agent Orange – 
exposures that are out there. All our Vietnam vets that deal with that. There were veterans that were up on the Korea DMZ. There were veterans in Guam because it was advanced storage base. There were veterans on, on bases in Thailand. It's amazing how many veterans. Of course, the Blue Water Navy veterans that I've spoken about were also exposed. And so when you say we're going to have you go out into the community, now you're going to take you know nine or ten million veterans that use VA healthcare semi regularly or more. You're going to send them into the community. They're going to need oncologists, cancer doctors that specialize in Agent Orange related cancers. Those aren't everywhere because there are no civilians who suffer from this. These, this is a unique thing to the military. And so to send them out there into the community, go find this oncologist who may not have the specialty they need, is only going to hurt veterans. It's also it's, it's a facade to think that you're going to get an appointment quicker in the private sector or cheaper or whatever. You're not. You're really not. There are uh, thousands of doctors every year who go to VA for training just for training because of all the unique things that VA can offer for that. Okay. So Ken, if people want to learn more about the student fellowship or anything about the VFW, where can they go? VFW.org is our website. And by all means, give us a call at 1-800-VFW-1899. Okay. Ken Wiseman from the VFW. Thank you so much for coming up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 